It is Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Bet the Edge, August 12th. Drew and I, we're ready to rock, baby, because the weekend's here. We appreciate everyone listening our, or watching on our NBC Sports YouTube channel, listening on the podcast forum. And today, it's all about football, baby. We will talk a little baseball, a little tennis as well, but full slate of preseason games this weekend. Joining us is Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus, PFF, as well as Points Bets head trader, Jay Croucher. He'll be breaking down week one lines. Talking about what we're looking forward to in the preseason this weekend as well. So, as we always do, we'll have an edge of the day powered by points bet. And Drew, it was Thursday night football. We had uh, the Ravens come through for me on the minus three. Now they are now twenty-one and zero and eighteen and and eighteen two and one, or nineteen and three ATS in their preseason games last twenty-one. Uh, did you bet them or the Giants last night? Because I had their money line as well. I had a little Giants first half uh, when we okay. caught word that the Patriots were resting all starters. Uh, and yeah, death taxes and Ravens win the pre you know, Ravens cover in the preseason. Um, we were kind of joking, you know, somebody was asking me about, uh, you know, what are some good preseason lines? And I was like, I can't really remember Ravens at any price for some reason in the back of my head is, is what I remember. And sure enough, like they take the, they take it seriously. Uh, in general, that tends to lead to them being relatively strong to start the season. Uh, you know, at least it has worked for them, which is why they do it. Uh, and I think you actually, you know, at least I've gotten buzz from camp. Other teams like the Colts have said this out loud. Um, where they're like, hey, we, we are going to try to uh, put a little bit more effort into our preseason performances so that we can snap out of, uh, you know, a little bit of a slow start that we have had as a, you know, a, a feature of our franchise in years past. And it'll be interesting to see who all tries to adopt that. I'm surprised, you know, uh, you know, you have two very distinct, um, you know, plans of attack between Baltimore, who tries hard in the preseason, and the Rams, who literally give zero... Uh, and, uh, you know, both seem to work. So uh, it's it's funny how uh, that that uh, tends to play out. Yeah, the Colts, they got to play the Bills, who have been phenomenal in the preseason, too. So that's going to be one of the games I'm definitely going to be watching. The Lions got the Falcons tonight. That's a hard knocks matchup there. The Steelers and the Seahawks, Drew, you know I'm watching the quarterback battle. Jubisky, Pickett, Mason Rudolph will be in there, too. On the other side, it's Drew Locke and Geno Smith. And uh, another quarterback drum, Deshaun Watson, playing against the Jaguars. It's uh, Watson and Lawrence, the former Clemson boys. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's uh, interesting that you're going to see Deshaun Watson take the field. I there. definitely want to see him, you know, shake off the rust a little bit. In fact, I was we were kind of expecting maybe the NFL would kind of fast forward their decision on his suspension to prevent him from playing in this game, but they're not doing it. Uh, and he's going to be out there, which is interesting. Uh, market's still giving you a relatively soft price on Cleveland, frankly. Uh, ja- Jaguars favored by one, despite the fact that uh, Watson's going to be out there for at least a, an offensive possession, if not, uh, you know, first 15 type of plays. Uh, and all that said, I think Cleveland's a decent bet in the first half out of pick them. Uh, I would expect that even though Jacksonville's already played one preseason game, the fact that Watson's going to be out there and looking to, uh, you know, try to grab a little bit of a leadership role in this team uh, would expect them to try to uh, to do well for him. Might be the only time that Sean Watson plays over the next month or two. So, yeah, he's probably going to get his fill in the first half. I like that a lot. We'll talk a little bit about baseball a little later. But just a reminder, guys, the NBC Sports Bet their app powered by PointsBet. Go download it now. The contests are free, easy to play. You get to win thousands. I'm predicting what's going to happen at MLB, the PGA Tour, NASCAR circuit, and more. Tuesday's Thursday Battle of Bets. If you guys told me yesterday, 3-0, and oh, no big deal. Two NFL bets in a yes first run inning. 
So uh, make sure you guys tune in next Tuesday because I plan on winning today, Monday, and Tuesday. All right. So let's bring in Jay Croucher and Sam Monson of PFF. Talk some NFL week one. Guys, we appreciate you boys joining us. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. First, everybody knows I'm a player prop guy, okay? So I circled four quarterbacks in week one. Sam, I want you to run through them. Tell me who you'd be willing to bet on and who'd you be willing to fade. So Baker Mayfield versus the Browns. Russell Wilson versus the Seahawks, two revenge games. Justin Herbert against the Raiders and Lamar Jackson is against the Jets. What do you think about those four in general? Yeah, I mean, the Baker Mayfield one is the the first one that I would throw a, a giant circle around. Baker Mayfield is one of those quarterbacks that lives for the chip on his shoulder. And, yeah. you know, the the motivation that he must have to stick it to the Browns, given what happened to him this offseason. And, you know, whatever we you say about Baker Mayfield and how good he's been or otherwise in the NFL, the guy did transform the Cleveland Browns when he showed up. And he played last season beat up all year long, probably against some pretty significant advice from various uh, places to try and help his team. And at the end of it all, the Browns reward him by essentially taking the contract off the table that they were potentially going to offer him. And then, you know, essentially kicking him out of the building and going after Deshaun Watson to, to replace him entirely. So I think Baker will absolutely be motivated to, to stick it to, to Cleveland. And, you know, the recent reports out of training camp are – that he started to look very good. The, the initial few practices there, there were some interceptions. It wasn't looking great. But now that he's got his feet wet in Carolina, I, I think that'll actually be a pretty productive offense. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. I think Baker is one of the most interesting players in the league this year. And I think the thing that people forget about him is that you know when he's been healthy, he's been really good. And I think that uh, really good in terms of at least being like the 14th or the 16th best quarterback in the NFL. And I think one way to attack Mayfield from a betting perspective is comeback player of the year. Because if he beats Cleveland in week one, then the narrative train starts to leave the station. And right now he's in the 12 to 1 range. And I think that if he beats Cleveland, then he pretty quickly goes into the 3 to 1, 4 to 1 range. So uh, in terms of things that we're looking for in the preseason from the betting market futures perspective, I think that Baker winning that job, which I think we all think is a foregone conclusion, uh, but that's certainly something that is, uh, that's, that's going to be relevant uh, across a lot of markets. Oh boy, we got some disagreement early. We're gonna have an interesting little Friday here. Uh, you know who else? You know who else has an axe to grind? The Cleveland defense. Baker and Mayfield legitimately prevented this team from reaching their potential last year, like on on his own. Uh, and I would expect that there are two sides to the coin in terms of who would like a little bit of revenge uh, with the Cleveland defense coming into that game. And guess what? Cleveland defense. They're elite. And Baker Mayfield, he's behind an offensive line that's not very good. Uh, and yes, there are potentially some ways that they, you know, Panthers build a little bit of chemistry. They are, they're going to get some wins against some of the bad teams in their schedule this weekend, or, you know, over the balance of the season. Um, but I think uh, at least out of the gate, I'm more willing to believe that the Cleveland defense will be the distinguishing factor. Really and truly, that's just going to be a, a pretty ugly, awful game <laughs> because Jacoby <laughs> Brissett, not expecting a ton from him. So, uh, but that's why it's one of the lowest totals on the board week one. Um, I'll uh, I'll tee up uh, the uh, the Justin Herbert question here for Jay. Uh, a lot of buzz on the Chargers. People can't get enough of that futures price, even though Herbert has yet to play a playoff game. And you know why he hasn't played a playoff game? 
because he couldn't beat the Raiders in week 18 last year. And guess what he draws in week one is a rematch against the Raiders. Uh, are there you know, any angles in terms of this particular matchup that interest you for game one? Uh, he is currently laying three and a half points in this one. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of love for the Chargers. I think that there's a lot of love for Brandon Staley and his aggressiveness and the what they did on the defensive end. Uh, particularly with that in Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, they were dreadful against the run last year and they just should get better at that. And then Herbert, I think, is viewed as you know one of the highest upside players in the league. He's certainly getting a lot of MVP tickets. I would just be lukewarm on kind of that team and just everyone around that division in general, just because it's going to be such a bloodbath. And to win awards like MVP, uh, you generally have to be looking at 12, 13 wins. And it's just going to be tough for, for any team in that division, the Chargers included, to get to that level. Uh, but certainly Herbert has as much upside as, as any quarterback. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to bet MVP market in the AFC West in general. It's just going to be something you want to bet maybe like week eight or on, live bet that one. Uh, but Herbert, I mean, 314-plus passing yards and three out of four meetings with the Raiders. So, I mean, I definitely think he's going to have a big game one. Sam, if we get, you know, 299.5 passing yards prop on Herbert, is that something you're hopping on? Or would you rather take, say, Russell Wilson over 275.5 against Seattle? Because we all know how he started off hot last season. Yeah, I would take Russell Wilson with that either or. I think that's Seattle, that's Seattle defense – is pretty bad. And generally the Seattle roster is awful. You know, it's arguably one of the worst rosters in the NFL, arguably the worst. And we're going to see, I think this year, you know, just how much Russell Wilson was dragging a bad roster and a bad team to success over the last few years. The, the team that used to be great around Russell Wilson, that was a legitimate contender that's been eroding and deteriorating over the last few years. And yet Wilson is still good enough that he's been able to kind of drag them to at least playoff consideration every single year. Without that, you look at the, the kind of the players, the personnel on that defense, and I don't know how they can stop this, this Denver offense. And I've kind of, I started off the off season thinking, yeah, Russell Wilson plus those receivers, it sounds great, but, you know, there's a little bit of, of Russell Wilson being the cause of Russell Wilson, you know, being held back a little. It wasn't all Pete Carroll. And how is that going to work with a new offense? But the closer we get to the season, the more I think that that's overthinking it a little bit. And, you know, Russell Wilson just tossing the ball to Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and KJ Hamler and, and Albert O, it, it just it takes care of itself. Like that is such a huge upgrade over the quarterbacks that they've had the last couple of years, it's a way bigger piece of the puzzle than whatever, you know, percentage is left on top of that between Russell Wilson and the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I think against that Seattle defense, he's going to end up cooking. God, I, get, I can entirely see that line moving yeah. up to as people kind of wrap their heads around exactly what's going on with Seattle and, you know, some of their potential issues on the offensive side of the football between now and week one. Uh, similarly, Mixed reviews coming out of Jets camp, and we were joking off the top about Baltimore and the way that they treat preseason as you know more seriously than a lot of other teams, which has them relatively sharp early in the season. Uh, and I got a funny feeling that you know everybody and their mother is going to have a bet on Baltimore uh, in pocket as they take on the Jets in New York Week One. Um, would you expect this number to move off of the flat six that we're seeing right now across the board? And do you think Baltimore in general can carry sort of the early season success we've seen in years past into this matchup? Yeah, I really think that they should. Like Baltimore 
you, the, winning 21 straight preseason games in this era of preseason where nobody really cares about preseason and, and there's so much randomness in terms of when starters are playing, how long they last, you know, who's taking it seriously. It's crazy. And yet it doesn't matter who Baltimore put out there. It doesn't matter what first string, second string, third string. They win the games. They close them out. They end up getting it done when they need to. And you look last season, obviously Lamar Jackson got hurt. He, he sort of... Uh, he missed some time, but he also wasn't playing well at the point where he went down, but he started the season on fire. And the the Lamar Jackson supporters, the guys that would say, you know, all this narrative about him not being able to pass when he needs to is crazy. Half their support, the, their evidence comes from last season. That, that was the, yeah. the year where he got over the hump against the Chiefs in, in must-pass situations. He did it again against the Colts. Um, so Jackson showed last season he's absolutely capable of doing that stuff, but only early. Then if you look at his PFF grades, it was a decline from the 90s to the 70s to the 60s to the 50s before he got hurt. So, yeah, I think Baltimore, now that they're healthy, will start the season kind of on fire. And I still have massive reservations about Zach Wilson after his rookie season. They've done a great job building around him. But every single data point you can pull out for Wilson last year screams a quarterback that was in over his head, that was just overwhelmed, that wasn't capable of playing at this level yet now he may be able to do that in year two after a, you know a year getting uh, up to speed but he might not be able to and if he isn't the jets are in trouble yeah i think sam touched upon one of the most interesting points for this entire season which is you know how, how good is lamar jackson and and obviously he's good but is he 2019 mvp level good is he more like the guy who took a slight step back the following year in 2020 or is he the guy at the end of last season uh when he was healthy who for some reason, just couldn't handle the blitz at all. The game against Miami in particular was almost uncomfortable to watch where Flores was just sending pressure almost every play and Lamar Jackson couldn't do anything. Uh, at the same time, there's the guy who had the game against the Colts, which was about as well as anyone played in an individual game last year. And I think his stats would have looked a little bit better if Marquise Brown had caught one of the 17 wide-open deep balls against Detroit <laughs> and that type of thing. But... Yeah, I think Jackson is a super interesting player um, just to understand his ceiling and whether he can get back to that 2019 level. Because if he can, this Baltimore team is loaded. Um, and maybe not so much at receiver, but certainly look at their secondary, the moves that they made, just getting healthy. Like, they were comically banged up last season. You know, the the secondary they were throwing out against the Bengals at the end of the year, those are, tr those are practice squad guys. And they fortified that. They should be healthier with regression there. And this Jets team, I mean, can't read too much into training camp, but I read yesterday that Zach Wilson got sacked eight times in 22 dropbacks in training camp. Like, what? <laughs> what? That's not normal, is it? I don't think so. So I think there's certainly some disaster potential there. And this Ravens team, if Jackson is close to the guy he was in 2019, then they might be the biggest threat to the Bills in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say anything positive about the Jets. I think we all can agree on that. And with the Ravens, how they tune up preseason to week one, last four, last five preseason or last five regular season week one games, four and one ATS. They've won by an average of 31.6 points per game, but they did lose against the Raiders in OT once they found out J.K. JK Dobbins was out. Prepared for it this year around. So everybody and their moms will be betting the Ravens. We know that. It seems like everybody, Jay, is betting the Bills. It opened at Rams minus one. Now it's Bills minus two. We haven't seen any movement on the total. It's hard to really disagree with the Bills being the better team. They look like the best team in the NFL. 
But, I mean, the Rams coming off the Super Bowl, getting the rings, they're at home. What do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, well, firstly, with the line movement, I think a lot of people would tie that to Stafford's elbow. Like, we don't, from a betting perspective, setting the lines, not reading into that much. Like, we need to see the elbow really give him trouble in a game before we're adjusting lines off of that. Uh, I think that the line movement, it's mainly just the closer we get to kickoff, the more efficient markets can't become because limits get bigger, there's more sharps betting it, and it's just the market telling us that the Bills are probably the best team in the NFL right now, uh, and certainly that hype is building and building. And the other thing, too, is that, you know, two-point swings on a line, yeah, if the line goes from two to four and passes through three, that's a massive move because I think it's 15% of games they finish on three, whereas if you're going from pick to minus two, well, like 4% of games finish with a one-point scoring margin, and I think it's the same for a two-point scoring margin. So... It's not that much of a movement, but yeah, this is this is a coin flip game. When it's under a field goal, you know, these are two of the six best teams in the NFL. So uh, I don't have any uh, great prediction for how the game is going to go. Uh, it is pretty much a coin flip. Yeah. If this uh, if you wake up one morning and this is three or three and a half, then, you know, somebody has inside information that something is not right with Stafford and that maybe he might not even play that game. Uh, and then you panic if you're a Rams backer. But otherwise, I think most of the concern about Stafford's elbow should be, you know, that's like a December, January problem, really. It, you know, and this has a lot of the whips of I don't know if you remember last year, but there was a lot of the same sort of preseason buzz about Dak missing practices and was his shoulder right. And then he came out week one and was just dynamic against the Buccaneers. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think it's a little bit uh, silly to read too much into speculative injury reports about quarterbacks, uh, especially when a, a guy like McVay is so dynamic and, you know, in with his game planning for these week one contests. He gets to hang a banner <laughs> up in SoFi, Sam. And uh, McVeigh is unbelievable. 5-0 and in his uh, straight-up NATS in Week 1 since he's been a head coach here. Would you expect he has the right game plan to really and or any matchup advantages to take, uh, take on this Buffalo Bills team? Yeah, I think generally people are a little bit nervous that Stafford is still one of those highly volatile quarterbacks, right? Like last season, um, I think he had six turnover-worthy plays in his first eight games, uh, according to PFF's data, and then he had nine in the next three. So any sort of indication of something's not right with Stafford, I think, sends a lot of people immediately kind of scurrying to the worst-case scenario in their head. And it's like, oh, Stafford's going to go out there and just start pitching the ball to the defense, and that's where some of that starts to come from. But I I agree with you. I think McVeigh when he has time to work on a game plan, when he has, you know, a, a runway towards a game like a week one, he comes up with good plans. And as much as the Bills, I think, are justifiably seen as the best roster in the NFL, have a great offense, have a, what should be a very good defense, like that Rams team could be better than a year ago. You know, they they weren't necessarily a dominant force all the way through the season. They lose Robert Woods, but you add Allen Robinson – And I really think it's worth sort of pausing for a moment and thinking, this is legitimately the first time Allen Robinson has had a good quarterback throwing him the football ever. And I'm talking not just the NFL, but in college. Like, the guy never had a quarterback in college, including Christian Hackenberg, by the way. Like, 
the, yes. the season everybody said, you go back to Christian Hackenberg's freshman year, it was amazing. It wasn't. It was just Allen Robinson making a ton of <laughs> insane catches from terrible passes from Hackenberg. And I think even uh, dive back into his high school stats at one point, and it doesn't look like his QB in high school was any good. So this guy may have never seen a good quarterback, and all of a sudden he's got Matthew Stafford out here with Sean McVay's offense. Like Allen Robinson's ceiling may legitimately be through the roof. And that's the deep dive, bringing up the high school quarterback all the way through the pros. But I agree with you. Allen Robinson, the guy I'm targeting at all my fantasy drafts this year. I'm not really buying into the swing, though, Jay, with the, with all the movement here. Because Sean McVay, 5-0 and straight up and against the spread in week one since 2017. Those are the type of trends I like to bet on. And the Super Bowl winner trend. Can't forget about that. 8-3 and three in the last 11 seasons. Average margin of victory, nine points. So, yeah, we'll monitor that elbow. But – Shifting gears before we talk Packers, Vikings, and Bucks and Cowboys. Weekends are butter with MLB Sunday leadoff presented by Uber Eats. Juan Soto, baby, he's back in the in the capital, Washington, taking on the Padres this Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. Go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. If you want a chance to win 25K on the game, just download that Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. Jay Croucher and PointsBet will be going broke. This weekend, off of Juan Soto, total bases, home runs, hits, all of it. It's all getting hammered, Jay. So I hope you guys are prepared for that. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds? Fast and easy live betting? Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts, all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, one 888 532-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms and conditions for more details. One line that's been, I wouldn't want to say it's hammered, but I think the Sharps are on it. Packers opened up uh, minus one and a half. They came up to two and a half. Now it's back down to two. I think the, the Sharps are pushing this one back down to the two point because the Vikings have been money when they visit, when they're at home against the Packers. 7-3 ATS in the last 10. Um, Kirk Cousins, 4-0 when he doesn't throw a pick against Green Bay. And my favorite stat of all, Sam, Aaron Rodgers, 2-6 ATS as a road favorite in Minnesota, 0-4 in the last four. Vikings, in my pocket, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think the Vikings are a really fascinating team this season because they they – change regime they brought in new general manager quasi um they bring in a new head coach and everybody was expecting these giant sweeping changes you know it's clear house let's go in a completely different direction and they really didn't do that they they pretty much stayed the course and seemed to be relying just on tinkering with the the personnel and bringing in the new head coaching system and all this is going to make the difference 
Um, and I think another part of it is is relying on getting injured players back. Like Danell Hunter, the last time we saw him play a full season was one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He's still only 27 years old. Now all of a sudden he's got Zadarius Smith on the other side of him as well. I think there's a big chance that the Vikings just get massively better simply by getting healthy bodies back, especially on defense. So, yeah, I, I think there's a good chance with Green Bay still having a, a total lack of proven quality wide receivers. The last time we saw Rodgers without a legitimate number one wide receiver was the worst season of his entire career. Um, I think that's going to take some time to gel. I, I think the Vikings early in the season could shock Green Bay. Yeah, I think particularly early in the season, the Vikings, uh, just because they are a little top-heavy and they don't have much depth, but everyone's healthy at the moment. Uh, and I think that their issues would come later in the season if you have guys like Daniel Hunter going down or if one of those star wideouts goes down as well. But Green Bay, uh, definitely a lot of questions. Difficult team to price, mainly because of the question marks on offense. Like, they really need Romeo Dobbs to be good straight away, which is not really the position yeah. that you want to be in if you're a Super Bowl contender. That This fourth-round pick, who everyone loves and looks amazing, um, but they're really counting on him. And with the offensive line, which has been a strength, like, Bakhtiari and Jenkins still don't have timelines. Like, the season starts in a month. Like, why don't they have timelines? Uh, that's a concern. And then, to me, maybe the most interesting unit in the league this season is Green Bay's defense because I know there's a lot of disagreements. I know PFF loves Green Bay's defense. Football outsiders hates them. Uh, I would probably side with PFF just because we have Sam on the show and not Aaron Schultz. <laughs> but, uh, look, I think that the defense has so much potential. Like, I love Rashawn Gary for Defensive Player of the Year. I think that, you know, he is going to take another leap up and he's already an elite pass rusher, but... I think people just don't realize that because he didn't get the sack numbers last year, but he got the pressures. Uh, and I think that with a bit more health, with Jair Alexander back, uh, that, that defense has huge upside. And it seems crazy to say about a team with Aaron Rodgers, but it might be the other side of the ball this year that is Green Bay's strength. It might be a defensive team. And then Rodgers, obviously, is going to lift the offense to a point where you know they can still be the same caliber of team that they were last year, even without Devontae Adams. Okay. Let's pump the brakes a little on the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> hype. Let's pump the brakes. Uh, I this is this is Packers or pass week one, and there are two key reasons. And the first is one that you brought up, Jay, which is the defense, and not just that the defense could be and should be top five uh, when the dust settles at the end of the season, but the way that they are rostered and the way that they like to play with the you know the light you know the extra you know the the lighter personnel uh, extra cornerbacks out there. You know what that's been amazing at? It's been amazing at disrupting the Sean McVay-style offenses. Look at any single Rams versus Packers matchup throughout you know, any time, and it's like that defense tends to show up against those types of uh, systems. Kevin, you know, Kevin O'Connell is bringing in a new system that over the balance of the season, sure, Bet, you know, you know, it'll be a great bet on the Vikings week two when they go up against a, a team like Philadelphia that has a weak secondary like that, that I'm all on board with. But going up against sort of the what looks to be on paper, one of the better defenses in the league out of the gate uh, looks like a bad matchup to me. And but that's not the key matchup in this game. The key matchup for me is the Packers rushing attack is ridiculous and they are going up against a team in the Vikings that cannot stop the run, period. And I think the Vikings, if there is one sort of archetype that I think you will stand back and be like, oh, my gosh, this team is last year's 
Los Angeles Chargers. Like, I, I, realistically, they're going to be in a lot of games. They're going to push a lot of the easy buttons. They're going to look really good and be power rated well, uh, but they're going to lose games that they otherwise should win because they can't get off the field, particularly at the end of games. So I think this is Packers or pass, but the real play uh, in my mind is under 49. With that said, that's not my favorite under on the board, and it's not close. My favorite under on the board is Sunday Night Football. Dallas Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This opened at 53. It's down to 51. This closes in the 49, 49 and a half range, in my opinion. And that is because there are massive questions about both of these offenses. And I think both defenses are a hair underrated. Uh, this Bucks defensive personnel, best in the league by my ratings. Cowboys absolutely have game-breaking playmaking ability, but they're going up against the Bucks team that could be trotting out their fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers on the depth chart. What do you make of this game, Jay? And in, in particular, can you see this total continuing to take money to the under? Yeah, definitely, mainly because of the wide receiver situation. And there's just a lot of questions about Tampa Bay in general. Like, why do their centers keep getting annihilated? Uh, <laughs> I know it's kind of a fake annihilation in the case of Haynes, and he's all right, but Definitely some questions there. Mike Evans seems to be half injured every single week, uh, and that's flaring up again. I don't know where Tom Brady is right now. Assume that he'll be back for the game, uh, and that'll be fine. Um, but look, I think Brady will give them a certain raised basement in terms of what they're doing. But yeah, this Dallas defense was just about the best defense in the league last season. Uh, to me, if there are... 14 questions about the NFL season that are really interesting. I think how Dallas uses Micah Parsons in year two is interesting because he's just about the best pass rusher in the league if he's deployed there. And he had that kind of month-long stretch in the kind of later middle of last season where he was playing as an edge rusher and was just wreaking havoc with, you know, plays that made him look like the best defensive player of all time. And losing Gregory, maybe he'll get more of a run there, but they don't really have anyone to put... Um, in the linebacker position more traditionally who can do what he does there too. So I think that's just going to be a weekly thing for Dallas to figure out. And then talking about how Green Bay need Romeo Dobbs, well, Dallas, to a lesser extent, they kind of need Jalen Tolbert to be good because there's not that much beyond C.D. Lamb. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of question marks for both these teams. This is, these are not the fully realized versions of these teams that we'll see in a couple of months. Um, but, yeah, certainly potentially potential for a low-scoring game, to your point, Jerk. Yeah, I think this is a tough one. It's a kind of a coin flip. Last year, the Bucks beat them 31-29 in Tampa. And I think there's so many changes from last year's matchup to this year's. Obviously, we can expect some regression from that Cowboys defense. But Dallas is 6-0 ATS in its last six primetime games. Since 2020, Tom Brady's 1-8 ATS in his primetime games, only covering against the Giants. So, Sam, what do you think of this line? You think it's a trap line? They're kind of telling you and begging you to bet on Tom Brady because Jay won't admit it. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of agree, though. I think that the, the both these offenses might struggle in this game. Like as much as Dallas's defense, I think will regress because so much of its success last year was built on turnovers, and we know that that's volatile. That that swings year to year, and in particular, you know, Trayvon Diggs had eleven interceptions. He could have four this year, and it wouldn't. It would be entirely reasonable. And if he has four and continues the bad part of his play, you know, the thousand yards given up and the double digit penalties and the getting wrecked every play in training camp by various other Dallas receivers. Like if that happens and he only has four interceptions, all of a sudden he's a weakness in that defense, a, a risky weakness to target, but an actual problem area. So I think that part might regress, but the fact that Tampa Bay are dealing without receivers and that they've lost offensive linemen and 
as much as Brady looks like an absolute freak of nature at 45 years old and still playing like he was in his mid-20s, the one thing we've seen from quarterbacks as they age is they become more susceptible to offensive line pressure. And Brady's always had a little bit of a problem when pressure comes up the middle. All of a sudden, he's down to his second-string center. A guard is a, a potential issue as well in terms of uh, change from last year. So if Brady's offensive line starts to creak and starts to go from being one of the best in the league to you know an average unit, that's what might start to take the edge off what Tom Brady is still doing at 45, in addition to the fact that he's dealing with a, a banged-up receiving core as well. So I can see both these offenses struggling in week one, absolutely. Um, I, I, and I, I, the question is, which one's going to struggle more? Yeah, uh, you want a little, uh, a little extra on the top here? Dallas doesn't have a place kicker. Uh, so best of luck to them making long field goals in this game. Um, but no, in seriousness, Michael Parsons matchup against a depleted offensive line is mouthwatering in terms of him kind of getting his second season off to a, a, a incredible start. And I guess I'll follow up with Jay on that one. You were high on Michael Parsons last year, potentially taking the defensive player of the year as a rookie. Were you cooling on him at all? Or is he sort of in your mind should be proverbial favorite? Yeah, I don't think he should be favored. I think Aaron Donald should be favored for that award. Just every kind of year that he breathes, same reason that LeBron James every season in his prime should have been favorite. Uh, and I think that, well, from a betting perspective, like in terms of defensive players, in terms of who moves the line, Aaron Donald is worth two points to the line and there's no other player who's worth more than one point. Like that's the gap between him and everyone else. I do think that Micah Parsons has the best chance of any player to get into his stratosphere just because he's so young and what he did last year is so unprecedented. And I think that, yeah, we could be talking about Micah Parsons as one of the greatest defensive players of all time. He keeps on carrying on what he did. And so, yeah, I think that there is a chance that um, particularly if he's used more as a pass rusher, because these awards, they go so much to just the raw numbers and the loud numbers and what, Parsons does being solid against the run or in coverage. That's not going to win him Defensive Player of the Year. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year if he gets 17 sacks. And so I think that, that is, there is a possibility that that happens because Gregory's gone and he might rush the, rush the passer more. But I'd certainly want to get a look at just what his role is, um, even just in week one, just get a glimpse at you know, how many pass rushing opportunities is he going to have before I bet him for Defensive Player of the Year. Kind of disappointed you didn't mention T.J. Watt at all. This guy is yoked, Jay. All right, he's going to be a legend. You haven't seen him up close and personal yet. That, that's your problem. Yeah, he's on the decline. Oh, my God. He <laughs> plays the Jets, Panthers, Browns, Bengals this year. It's Sac City. Sac City, Rack City for T.J. Watt. <laughs> uh, Sam? Cam Hay yeah, Cam Hayward was the most valuable Pittsburgh Steeler on that defense. <laughs> Ironhead Cam, baby. All respect for him. But, uh, Sam, anybody else you throw into the mix for Defensive Player of the Year? Or do you like any of the guys Jay named? Yeah, I mean, I think we've named the favorites, and then Miles Garrett is the other one. Um, I think Garrett has been kind of making a push for that for the last few years and hasn't quite been able to put it together over a full season. A lot of it was his own fault, right? He, it was half a season, and then he brained uh, Mason Rudolph with his own helmet, and then the next season, it was half a season, and he got COVID. and then So we just haven't quite seen the whole year of Miles Garrett, but his numbers in terms of pass rush win rate – have been as good as anybody over that period. Um, he's His sort of profile overall as a pass rusher was better than T.J. Watt last year, even if Watt had the sack numbers that made it look better. 
generally, I think the Browns have done just enough to keep enough on that defensive line to make sure the teams can't throw all of the attention to Miles Garrett at the exclusion of everything else. So I think he's got a good shot at it. But I'm with Jay. Like it's it's Aaron Donald's award to lose every single year. That guy is in a different world to any other human being. The idea that as an interior defender, he's able to consistently lead the league in pressure is something that simply shouldn't be possible. And I, again, it's like you know Tom Brady playing like an All Pro at 45 has been normalized, and we kind of just we don't think about how absurd that is. Aaron Donald leading the league in pressures and sacks and stuff as an interior, as a defensive tackle is something that shouldn't happen and is so normal at this point that we just go, yeah, that's Aaron Donald. Um, But that's why he should be defensive player of the year every single season. Um, And I think the Michael Parsons thing, it's tough because Jay's right. Like his deployment is going to dictate whether he's able to win that or not. And yet ironically, the less he's used or the more he plays off the ball linebacker as well, in my mind, actually enhances his case for defensive player of the year. But that's just not the way these awards work. Like the more he rushes the passer, the more sacks he gets, the better his shot. But the idea that you're able to take a defensive end one week and then play off the ball linebacker and cover slot receivers and running backs deep down the field the next week, like that, that should be the better case than simply having another couple of sacks in a season. Yeah, I worry a little bit. Uh, I know I, I worry about that, especially with uh, Dan Quinn kind of calling the uh, calling the defense there. You never really know what you're going to get. But Micah Parsons surely looks like the next coming of Lawrence Taylor, the way I look at him. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up Miles Garrett, the favorite. But the problem is, will he be available after he decapitates Baker Mayfield week one? <laughs> we will see. Uh, maybe uh, maybe maybe uh, that's the uh, the wrinkle for him. So. <laughs> I like that take. Cleveland hasn't won a week one game since 2004. Miles Garrett's going to make sure that. It's a Drew what? Thing. <laughs> 2004, Cleveland 2004. hasn't won a week one wow. game? Yeah, they've lost oh, 17 goodness. straight week one games, and now Baker Mayfield <laughs> has a chance to make it 18 straight. But it also makes me think Baker Mayfield's going to be the guy to make them lose, uh, make the Cleveland <laughs> finally win and break that streak. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But we appreciate you guys joining us. Sam, can you let us know where we can listen to you and check out your content during the week? Yeah, PFF NFL podcast, myself and Steve Palazzolo. You find that anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, PFF underscore Sam is my Twitter. And then obviously PFF.com for all the, the cool stuff we've got coming for this season. Jay, what about you, man? Yeah, you can see me in front of all my super screens in the points bed office. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll be doing a lot more stuff, I think, going through into football season with NBC. So I'm sure you'll see me around. Yes, anything to get you away from all those little rugrats, Jay. That's what we're trying to do for you, my man. All right, make sure you guys follow Sam on Twitter at PFF underscore Sam. Check out his podcast, PFF NFL Podcast, and then Jay Croucher, Croucher JD. He'll be with us every Friday, usually on Bet the Edge, giving us those inside unique betting markets. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, fellas. Thank you, guys. All right, Drew. Luckily, we are free of the Rugrats this weekend. I don't. I'm, I'm, I think you are. I don't have any children, so I'm about to get on plane to Vegas. So I'm in. Great, oh, I'm in, I'm in great. Uh, feeling great right now. Circa Vegas today. Is that what you're entering? Yeah, yeah. Heading there for his contest sign up. Let's go. We'll be there. Dropping a thousand dollar entry. Drew rolling in with the sunglasses, the surfer cut. He's getting the tan. It's going to be a great week. Who are you betting on? Because I know you're laying down a bet before you get there. You'll probably watch something yeah. live. 
I got a lot of action today across NFL preseason, across the uh, the Canadian Masters quarterfinals. Canadian Masters have been super fun so far, and I'm going to ride my gal, who has been white hot, who is up-and-comer uh, and absolutely going to be a top 10 player on the women's tour, if not a top five player within a year, and that is Zheng Xin Wen. She is Chinese, she is 19, and she is an absolute beast she is she has a couple of weapons in her arsenal that are once they kind of get fine-tuned will be very very challenging for uh, a lot of players on on tour to be able to handle uh, including Karolina Pliskova who is somewhat one-dimensional uh, Zhang once she kind of gets a read on Pliskova's uh, serve in this game Pliskova is in deep trouble Zhang is going to be have a lot of opportunities in my opinion to break serve and even if this comes down to tie breaks I love the competitive nature of Zhang in these in those moments. So give me a, a shot on her as a plus money dog for the third straight match. People do not believe in this uh, momentum that she is carrying. And yeah, she had a hard fought win yesterday. Yeah, it went the distance and she was on court for a lot longer than Pliskova, but uh, it was cooler temperatures. It was in the evening and I think uh, she brings the goods, gets the better of Pliskova in this one and moves on to the semifinals. She's live to win this tournament. Ultimately, uh, it's we're still early. Still early in the Zhang Xinwen uh, kind of uh, emergence, but uh, she is uh, absolutely dynamite. I love it. Plus 110 for Friday, kicking us off good. No respect for her in the market, man. Underdog three straight. Hey, we'll keep riding. So, my pick... We talked about the Vikings a little earlier. This is going to be one of my Circa Vegas picks, all right? So this is Ooh. my week one. This is the only one I'm giving out, though, publicly because we can't have people copying us, Drew, Correct. me or you, because we want to win. So let me tell you about the Tennessee Titans, how this team is getting 86% of the bets and 60%, 67% of the handle to cover the spread week one. Everybody, when are you guys going to learn? The Titans are not going to get it done for you. A.J. Brown. This guy, last year when he's with the Titans, they were 11-3 and on the money line. They lost to the Cardinals, the Texans, and the Bengals in the postseason. Without A.J. Brown, they lost to the Jets, the Patriots, and the Steelers. They only beat the Jaguars, who had the number one overall pick. In those four games without him, 24, 13, 20, and 13 points, 17.5 points per game average. They lost Julio Jones, Jerry McNichols. They have no running back depth. And the receivers that you watched last night in preseason are going to be what they're going to be relying on to, uh, to take over what A.J. Brown, uh, his production is gone. So you're looking at a Titans team that has no offense, in my opinion, and now one of the worst projected offensive lines in the NFL. Going up against the Giants, I'm not going to say the Giants are making the playoffs, Drew. I'm not saying the Giants are winning eight or nine games, Drew. But the Giants do cover spreads when they're road underdogs with Daniel Jones under center. They're 11-5 and ATS with him as a road dog. But get this, they are perfect. 6-0 and as a road dog between one and six points. In his nice. career, he's won two out of those games. In the games where he's plus six and a half or more, he's one and nine on the money line. So obviously, when the line is closer, they have a better chance of winning. But the Giants are covering spreads every single time, plus six or less. So I'm not going to tell you you're going to win outright. But new coaching staff, a new attitude, offensive line built up through the draft. Saquon Barkley looking healthy. Watch out for the New York Giants week one. We got them plus six in our pocket. That is one of my best for the $1,000 contest we will be entering. What do you think, Drew? I like it. I'm with you on this one. I think the Giants are uh, live, uh, and I think most of it comes down to Tennessee's offense, just not really believing in them. Uh, I, this this game has 23-20 
uh, you know, yep. 20 to 17 written all over it, three point win either way. And, uh, if you're in, you know, if you have six points and, you know, you, you can get inside that number with a lot of different outcomes, I think that's the right look. And we'll be talking plenty about teasers here, Drew, but the Giants plus 12 or plus 13. Definitely be a teaser of mine because I doubt the Titans are scoring 24-plus points. I, so. I think th- there's better teaser legs out there. Just take the points and, and call it a day. Just take the points call. All right. Well, that's Drew's the expert. He's the vet. <laughs> I'm still young and in the game, so I'm learning every day with this guy. We appreciate you guys watching live on our NBC Sports YouTube channel. We appreciate everyone also listening to us on our podcast forum. Don't forget to subscribe and rate both of those and go to NBCSportsEdge.com. For more information for bets and fantasy, because today is the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio. If you're in Ohio, make your way down. You'll see all the good guys, all the guys on our squad. So enjoy it. Best of luck. And Drew, safe travel to Vegas. Don't party too hard, man. I can't promise. Make no promises, Vaughn. Hopefully, I'll see you Monday. See you Monday. <laughs> <laughs>